this episode of The Naturist Living Show, Bearing It All for Graduation. This episode of The Naturist Living Show is brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. At Bear Oaks, we offer traditional naturist values in a modern setting. Free your body, free your mind. www.bearoaks.ca Welcome, dear listener, to episode 102 of the Nature's Living Show and the first full episode on our new website, the new naturistlivingshow.com website. Uh, we're now on uh, Spotify. So if you are not listening through Spotify and you are a user of Spotify, you can search for Nature's, probably just Nature's, but Nature's Living Show and add it to your library, which might make it easier for you to listen as you uh, travel, work out, or just uh, work around the the house, or maybe at work if you have a job that does that allows you or the possibility of listening to something else while you're doing your task. Um, we did have some problems with iTunes, so if you had some issues uh, with the first show of the new feed, the new website, uh, it took about 10 days to get iTunes back up and running. Um, it was uh, 10 days and 10 messages back and forth, but basically it was uh, I was caught in a, in a catch-22 because I tried to tell them that there was a new feed location for the show, and um, they told me that before that I had to fix a problem with the old feed, which was actually redirecting to the new feed, um, and I couldn't change because it was on a different place that I didn't have control of anymore. Anyway, a lot of attempts to try to fix that back and forth, and eventually I found a solution that worked. But it took 10 days, so some of you may have had some problems because it was not showing up. So it is now there again, and uh, they always give me the option to res resubmit, but I didn't want to resubmit because we've been on iTunes for 10 years, and we have a lot of people who are subscribed through iTunes. So all that to say, it's now working. Um, so if you want to help the show now that we're back, uh, please subscribe. Subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on uh, any of the podcatchers you might be using, uh, please write reviews, uh, please give us ratings, and please tell others so that we can spread the word about naturism and ethical naturism and all the interesting stuff we're doing here. So this episode is probably the longest episode that I've ever worked on, only because I've been working on and off this for two years. Um, as you know, I've been on and off, depending how busy I've been with the show. Uh, sorry, how busy I've been with the, uh, uh, the, the the club and some of the other things that I've done. Uh, but also, Kate is a busy person, the person I'm interviewing, and she at times was busy with her own life. And we went back and forth, and then I recorded. Then I had the problems in the spring with the show, and uh, Fee decided to redo the the website. But all that is fixed now, and I'm finally releasing this show, which uh, parts of it was recorded this year, I think, and parts of it was recorded a year ago. But the story is one that dates 20 years ago, exactly 20 years ago. Well, 20 years ago on Saturday, June 13th, 
Kate Logan was 18 years old, and she was graduating from the Long Trail School in Dorset, Vermont. And during her speech, she dropped her robe, and underneath her robe, she was wearing nothing. It was a story that exploded. It went viral at a time when viral didn't have the meaning it does today because there was no electronic social media except for a few geeky ones like me who were using online uh, news groups and things like that. But most people were not on the Internet. Most people did not have access to any kind of electronic social media. But this story still caught fire and made newspapers and television stories around the world, literally around the world. And uh, I remember at the time, I was absolutely fascinated. I was a naturist at that point. I'm a little older than Kate. Um, I was comfortable with my body, but I, I remember being high school students and being very uncomfortable with my own body and very shy. And certainly the last thing I could imagine ever doing as a teenager was being nude in front of my classmates and parents and teachers, um, it was un, unfathomable. So I was impressed, very impressed and inspired by, by this young woman. And it did affect me at the time. And then, of course, the story went on and my life went on. But I was working on my course at the University of Toronto, and I was looking for examples of nudity as speech. Now, sometimes nudity is used to get attention. PETA is using with the, I'd rather be nude um, the, that, than wear fur. Uh, they were using that. It, it, it had meaning, but it was not not a statement in itself. Um, it was more of a way of getting attention. But what Kate was doing, and I, that's what I remembered when I was putting together that particular lecture, her nudity was clearly intended to make a statement. It was it it had meaning behind it, and um, she those values were very strong. And she, as you'll hear in her story, she turned down a lot of money to pose for Playboy because that would have changed the meaning behind what she was doing. She wasn't trying to get attention because uh, back then she didn't she had, had no way of knowing that it would make the news because it was in a small community in Vermont. Uh, it was no sexuality in what she was doing. There was no teasing. It was just a straight drop. It was a statement. So when I was researching this story, I stumbled upon her contact information, as it is possible to do these kinds of things now. And um, so decided to, it might be an interesting story. And I contacted her and she agreed to tell the story. She's she's now married. She's, uh, you know, she's... 20 years older. Uh, she has three kids at this point. She didn't when I interviewed her, but she does now. And so I will let her tell her story. So I was attending a, a very small um, high school where it was the tradition that all of the graduating students had to give a speech at the graduation. And uh, to be really honest, I was really kind of struggling my last year uh, in school, just kind of, you know, I'd been at that school for six years and um, just kind of have a feeling like I was kind of done before it was time to truly be done. And um, some things had transpired and I just, 
I'm, the more I thought about what to write in my speech, I was having a hard time coming up with anything. Um, and then I was, uh, I spent a day with some really close friends and this was probably about two weeks before the actual graduation. And I had been doing, um, a lot of reading. I was reading at the time, I think I was reading, um, I was reading a Martin Luther King book and I was reading, um, Cahill Gibran kind of often. And so, you know, I was 18 and just going through, you know, coming in, you know, into my own as more of an individual and feeling more and more independent. And, um, and I just kind it kind of dawned on me pretty suddenly actually that as a culture, we really didn't have, uh, any kind of ceremony or acknowledgement of uh, coming into adulthood and, you know, crossing that, making that transition. And so I decided to kind of design my graduation for what I was kind of personally feeling like I needed. And I feel, I felt like I needed some kind of ceremony to acknowledge that, you know, that this was kind of my coming of age, that this was a big transition, um, you know, leaving a very small, very intimate school um, that was very supportive in a lot of ways, but also as an 18 year old felt kind of constricting because everybody knew everything about you and all the teachers were constantly involved in your life also outside of school. And so, um, I kind of just designed my graduation for it to be what I kind of needed. And so I got this idea of a theme of, you know, coming into the world, leaving childhood, you know, leaving the comforts of my, of my family home and leaving the comfort of school and really stepping out into the world. And, you know, who was this young person, this young woman who was stepping in, out into the world as a young adult and, um, and what did, you know, what did it represent to me? And really it was, uh, just about wanting to enter into the world, uh, as a confident, uh, very independent woman, young woman, and to not be ashamed of really being the most authentic and genuine version of myself. And, um, I, kind of got the idea that there wasn't really a, the, or there, maybe there is another better way, but a great way of demonstrating that would to be um, to bear myself and to stand naked in front of everybody. And this is exactly who I am. And, and I'm confident and I'm feeling good about myself. And this is how I want to present myself to the world, uh, just the way that I am. And so it kind of evolved from that. And, um, so I wrote my speech, um, definitely a little bit of a procrastinator and wrote it, I think it was just like two days before the graduation and kind of choreographed my, um, just unrobing with my speech. So I read probably about three quarters of my speech, uh, with my graduation robe on and then, um, at the right time, took my robe off and stepped in front of the podium and finished the last quarter of my speech naked. 
Um, and I, I, I do like to say that uh, I did, um, I didn't want to take away from any of my other classmates and my other uh, graduating classes day either, because I know it was a big day for everyone. And so I did ask all of my, um, all my classmates, I kind of told them what was up my sleeve and if they were comfortable with that. And everybody was very supportive and, um, and told me to go for it. And so I had um, all their blessings and uh, they all said to do it. And, and I did. <laughs> and that's kind of it in a, in a short little nutshell. So, and what was the reaction, I mean, of the audience? Your classmate expected it, but presumably the parents and the administration did not? Yeah. So I had told my parents, um, I had talked to them probably a week before graduation and uh, told them what my idea was. And uh, I don't, they, they weren't, I don't think they thought I would really do it. Um, and they definitely tried to persuade me not to do it. Uh, but they also knew at the same time that if I was, you know, if I had my mindset on it, that I would, you know, that I, there was a good chance that I probably would. Um, so they knew, and then just a small core group of, uh, very close friends also knew. So there, I would say in the audience, there was probably 10 to 15 people who knew what was coming. Um, but everybody else did not. And, uh, I think you know, it's hard to, to remember exactly, but initially there was this kind of moment of shock of silence of everybody like what is she doing and then my you know my friends who knew and some of my classmates and my siblings um they all started cheering for me so there was also a lot of cheering and more than anything i really felt like i had this uh, pretty potent and important message that i wanted to really relay and i because it was getting a little noisy, there was definitely a moment of a little um, chaos. People not really sure what to do. I'm sure the administration was like, do we take her off? Do we let her finish her speech? Because it was pretty clear my speech was not finished. Um, but they all, I waited till everybody kind of quieted down and then I finished my speech and everybody let me finish my speech. Um, my headmaster was sitting directly behind me. And um, he didn't try to, you know, take, you know, pull me off or, you know, tell me to get down or put my clothes back on. You know, he allowed me to finish my speech. And when my speech was finished, I put my robe back on and sat back down. And um, I actually forgot my diploma on the podium. And uh, my headmaster, when he got up, he actually stood up after my speech, got my diploma and handed it back to me for the second time. So... Um, there was definitely a mixed, I would say there's a mixed um, response. You know, some people were really supportive, some people in shock. And and there was some people who were definitely not supportive. So, But overwhelmingly, I, you know, for the most part, people were supportive. So I, I wasn't there, um, and I assumed that your graduation wasn't covered by the mainstream media, but it made it around the world. How did that happen? So uh, it was covered by just our very small local newspaper, uh, the Manchester Journal. And um, so immediately kind of, you know, the news hit our little local area, you know, via word of mouth and in the local paper. 
And just for a couple of days, it was just kind of the talk of the town, but nothing really major happening. And then it got printed, the story got printed in the Bennington Banner, which is a little bit bigger of a newspaper um, in our area. And I believe that the Bennington Banner, they have some kind of connection to the main newswire. Um, and so once it hits the Bennington Banner, like all the major news organizations have access to the story is kind of how I interpreted it at the time. And so it was probably about four or five days after the graduation and everything had actually kind of like started settled down locally. And uh, I came back home one afternoon and there was a news truck in my parents' driveway. And that's when it just all hit all of a sudden. And then everybody had their, you know, everybody had access to the story and everybody wanted to cover it. And it just went viral. And this is before any social media. This is before Facebook and Instagram and all that good stuff. So even, you know, I didn't even have an email then. Um, now I'm dating myself too. <laughs> but <laughs> Well, it was 1998. Yep. Yeah, 20 years ago almost. June 13th, 1998, right? Yeah, and so all of a sudden it just every I mean, and then it went global. You know, had the BBC calling me and people in, you know, Germany calling to do interviews, people from all around the world. Um it was really interesting. It was really it was really fascinating how many people got a hand like their hands on this story and were interested in it. And I think I think in my opinion, um what kind of made it a little bit more worthy of coverage. It wasn't just, it was obvious that it wasn't just some kid streaking a graduation. It wasn't just somebody just taking their clothes off uh, to get a reaction, that there there was a message there somewhere. And, um, you know, dis, uh, despite how many different news organizations covered it and radio stations and such, um, I I was always really proud of the fact that Every single um, coverage of the story, even if they didn't get all the details right, there was always some mention about what the story, what the message was, and that uh, it, the the whole purpose of it, you know, there was integrity behind it, and that that in kind of integrity shone through, um, no matter who was covering it, which was really all I really cared about because I didn't want it to be portrayed that I was just streaking or just taking my clothes off. And, um, you know, I was a very righteous 18 year old. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you were making a statement. Um, yeah. and, uh, it's nice to know that they covered it. Although I'm sure part of it is there was a, a salacious aspect to the story, which is probably yes. what caught the attention as well. Um, in fact, you had Playboy make you an offer. Mm-hmm. I did. Yeah, they offered me $150,000 to uh, do a story. And of course, they wanted some photos. They didn't necessarily want any nude photos. Um, but it was the, I, it really wasn't about, I didn't want it to become about selling my body in any way. And to me, Playboy represented like I would be kind of selling out. I'd be selling images of my body and, and that I really didn't want it to get the, I didn't want the message to get diluted. And, um, 
and it was, you know, it was just funny. Even my parents are, you know, at the time here I am 18, like preparing to go out into the world and, you know, thinking about college and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of people told me, they're like, he, you know, $150,000, like that's a lot of money. You can do a lot of good things with $150,000. It's not, you know, you can, you can donate it. You can invest it. You can go to school with it. You can do all kinds of things. And, um, but I refused to offer. That was the one, that was the one um, organization that I actually completely turned down. And, so uh, in hindsight, do you think you should have? Um, you know, it's so funny. It's I, for a long time, as I got older and I realized, you know, it's not always easy to get your hands on $150,000. <laughs> there was oh, this not. little part of me t- that kind of regretted it and kind of, you know, thought, well, I could have really done a lot of great things. I could have put myself through school. I could have done this. I could have done that. And it wasn't until about four years ago I had this a conversation with this woman I'd been uh, doing some work with. And she kind of played, the, it was, she was hearing this story for the first time and, you know, the playboy part came up and she just, she kind of helped shine a new light on it um, as far as like having any regret and saying that just shows how much integrity you have. And I think that is so awesome. And um, I don't think you should feel bad about or regret your decision in any way. Um, that's, that's really beautiful that you were able to maintain your integrity. And it, um, and so I was able to kind of change the story in my own head and, and come to a different, um, come to it on different terms, which was, was really healing in some kind of way. And so, uh, you know, I don't regret it. You know, I did what I did and I did it for good reason. And, um, you know, and you know, who knows if I was 18 and I had my hands on that money, I could have also blown it and nothing good would have come out of it. Yeah. So, well, it's a lot of money, and on the other hand, in the in the, in the, the scale of a lifetime, it's not that much either. I mean, you, you yes, know, yeah, um, you it obviously didn't stop you from getting the education you wanted, and perhaps it, you know you might have not you might have done something different if you had all the money, as opposed to the creativity you had to show in the different ways you learned how to be a yoga and uh, to to uh, the cooking school and all the things you did since then. You had to be a little bit more creative. Yes. Yeah, for sure. It, it is in naturism. It's all something we're always, um, you know, facing. And I do a lot of media. And similarly, I know that the reason the media is covering us is because if the salacious aspect uh, to, of if people are nude for the mainstream people, that gets that gets clicks, that gets attention. Um, yes. And so it's yes. always that balance between yes, I want to get our message out, which is about let's get away from exactly that uh, and accept the human body for what it is. Um, so it's always a fine balance. And um, somebody once said to me, I said, you know, well, you could be a stripper. I said, no. I, and they said, well, why not? I mean, you, you're comfortable being nude. I said, yeah, but it's all about intent. I said, you've, right. you've had sex before. Yeah. Does that mean you could be a prostitute? Right? It's the same <laughs> act, yeah. but the difference right. is the intent between the, the, the two parties. Yeah. And yeah. uh, I, I, I think you did the right thing as well. I think it does show a, a – I mean, it's easy for me to say I've never been offered $100,000. Um, you had to make a decision on integrity uh, with a very you know, a tempting carrot in front of you. So good for you. 
Yeah, and when I think the value of a dollar was, it was a, it was different as an eighteen year old kid. I didn't, you know. Now as a thirty seven year old mother of almost three kids, it's it might be a little <laughs> more tempting. <laughs> but you know, then it, you know, money didn't have the same meaning. It 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 represented a lot of different things than it does now. And I think it was almost easier to just say yeah. no. Yeah. So let's talk about the the results of this, uh, the consequences. Uh, In the AP story, um, the school issued a statement, according to AP, that says the extremely unfortunate and selfish behavior of one of our senior, which occurred at the LTS graduation ceremony, was a significant embarrassment for all of us. The incident was overwhelmingly inappropriate and is not reflective of our student body. Uh, the statement said the school's board administration will take steps to deal with this. So did they do anything? Bes- it's so besides, funny. I've never, obviously... I've never read that. I've never oh, heard that before. <laughs> so uh, did, did, they, did they do anything? Did they take any steps no. besides the Not statement? No. Nope. So you still graduated? You got no, your diploma? I still graduated. I got my diploma and... Um, and I remained very close with a, with a lot of my teachers. Um, as I mentioned before, it was a very small school. I graduated a class, I think we were 13. And mm-hmm. I had been at the school for a number of years. I also went there for middle school. Um, so I'd been there. I actually went to a different school my junior year. So I was there for a total of five years. Um, and I had had a lot of the teachers, uh, you know, since I was in seventh grade. And wow. had very close bonds with a lot of them, and uh, really and maintained my you know relationship with my teachers, and actually had a lot of my teachers come up to me afterwards and and congratulate me and tell me how great they thought that the whole act was. So I personally, having never heard that, and knowing that the school actually didn't take any actions, and knowing that you know having had. Uh, many of my teachers come up to me afterwards and in support of me. Um, some of my teachers I'm still friends with. I still see on a regular basis and I'm still in, in contact with. Um, that that message to me is, I would say, reflective of my headmaster and mm-hmm. the board of directors and the school board. Mm-hmm. Um, well, in fact, that's, that's who is quoted, is the Board yeah. of Trustees and David Wilson so, and Charles Chamberlain. Yes, yep. yep, that sounds about perfect, <laughs> about right. Um, and, well, you know what's interesting is the school itself. So Dave Wilson, the headmaster, him and his wife uh, were also the founders of the school. And the school started out uh, very small. It was, it was even, there was even a focus when they first started the school. Um, focusing on kids who had different styles of learning. I won't even say necessarily learning disabilities, but a very different style of learning. Uh, it was, you know, it was a very kind of hippy-dippy Vermont school. You know, they were stacking wood and they were outside a lot of times and very alternative school. Um, as the, And I was, when I was graduating, the school was really kind of just uh, – beginning years of a pretty major transition and I mean keeping a certain amount of that alternative style and uh, independent kind of learning 
but also seeking a lot more funds from donors. Um, the The amount of money that they were raising had increased quite a bit. The school was growing pretty rapidly. They were putting on big additions, and the school was really going through some changes. And um, in my opinion, I feel like the headmaster kind of that was his focus. It wasn't so much on the kids anymore. He my headmaster, I think I was one of the last classes that actually had him as a teacher. He had stopped teaching and was primarily just focusing mainly on fundraising and um, staying in the office. And he started to care a lot more about what everybody thought about his school in a diff- in, from a different perspective. Um, so yeah, no, they didn't, they didn't, there was no penalties. No, there was no actions taken against me. Um, I know that they did implement a new rule that they had to do a, a wardrobe check before everybody went out every year. Now they do a wardrobe check before the <laughs> graduates march out to make sure everybody's dressed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, lift um, a robe. Is that kind of thing or what? I, I guess so. Um, that's what I've heard is that they, you know, they check under the rope because it was, it was actually kind of funny when I graduated. So I got there, you know, you get there early to get ready and I was dressed when I got to school and they give us our robes and our caps and everything to put on. And I quickly excused myself to go to the bathroom before we marched out. And when I went into the, into the restroom, I, that's when I took my, the dress I had come to school and I took my dress off so that I was then naked underneath my, underneath my gown. And we had white gowns and they weren't see-through, but they were definitely white. And where the zipper zipped, it was a pretty, um, it was, you know, it was kind of like mid thigh height. And I had had a long full length dress on before And so I went back into the room where we were lining up and my headmaster's wife came over to me and asked me if I was wearing any underwear. And I said, oh, and I lied and said, yeah, of course I'm wearing underwear. And my headmaster was standing right next to her and he looked at me straight in the eye and he said, you wouldn't dare. (laughs) And that was was the last thing he said to me. So I think he might have had some kind of idea that something was up my sleeve. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> and afterwards, when you were walking around, you know, town uh, or anything, did you get disapproving looks or anything like that? Um, n- not really. Uh, and, you know, I had just graduated too, so I wasn't, uh, you know, I was once, the, and once the kind of news storm hit me, I kind of was home a lot. Um, I I really wanted to do, I, I got a lot of calls from lots of um, radio stations and I really wanted to do as many live interviews on the radio as I possibly could because I was the one relaying the story and I wasn't, um, it wasn't just up to somebody's interpretation of what I was telling them. So I spent a lot of time at home in, over the next like week, week and a half, just answering phone calls and doing interviews and um and I really just I don't know I guess maybe a little bit I I didn't even allow myself to to go there and to you know I'm sure there were people who were disapproving and 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 had a strong opinion about it but I didn't even allow myself to go there um 
And, you know, maybe that's why I never heard that statement, you know, read that statement that you just read. I, I never, I just didn't even want to get kind of sucked into the negative side of things at all. I wanted to, you know, stay positive and focus on the people who were supportive. And, um, and I had a lot going on at the time too. I was working and I was getting ready to, I was leaving shortly. I was getting ready to go to Central America and I just kind of stayed about my own business and didn't get wrapped up and didn't get let myself get, you know, caught up in any of the negative coverage if there was any. I think that's great. And you might have had a difficulty if you did it today. Yeah, um, and that's what I was saying. Yeah. yeah. You would get criticized left, right, and center. Um, right. Let me actually read you something. There's a, I ran across a, a quote in the book. It's called uh, True Sexual Morality, Recovering Biblical Standards for a Culture in Crisis by Daniel R. Heimbach. And on page 35, he says, uh, he, he talks about what you did. And he says, what she did came from a new and different way of thinking about sex and spirituality. To Kate Logan, disrobing in front of everyone at graduation made sense because she believed unrestrained sex is the one true path to spiritual life. <laughs> so I, did, I assume, I don't think you talked to Daniel Heimbach, did you? No, I don't have any idea who that is. So what would you say about his interpretation of your motives? Uh, it had nothing to do with sex. I was, to be really honest, I'm blunt, I was still a virgin at that point. Um, I was not sexually active in any way. It had nothing to do with sexuality whatsoever. Uh, if anything, yes, I would consider myself, even at 18 years old, very spiritual, especially at that time in my life, really coming to terms with my own spirituality and um, and looking at the world and the universe from a much broader and different perspective and um it was it was nothing other than a metaphor for who i who i was hoping to present myself to the world from a very well-intentioned place of i am a good person um i don't have a problem saying that i feel like i am a very good person i have very good intentions and i've done a lot of um different things in my life to serve and to try to help, you know, my community and globally. And this, this was just one small act of a young kid looking for meaning, looking, you know, looking for some recognition, uh, you know, as is in a big transition in life and looking for, uh, a metaphor that would be pretty obvious and clear. Um, and it, I think I wouldn't consider it like I'm not a, a, a naturist. I'm not a nudist. I'm not somebody who is naked all the time. It has nothing to do with that. It was just, but, but at the same time, I, I did grow up in a, in a family and, and also in a, I feel like even in a, in an estate, Vermont, it just, it's a very accepting, it's a pretty liberal state. Um, and actually Vermont is, you are allowed to be, uh, naked in public. You can't get arrested for being naked. Um, wonderful. Yeah. I, I never knew that until, until I graduated, but I feel, you know, and there was, you know, this was a state also even more specifically locally where I was, there was a very strong back to the earth movement here in the, in the forties. Um, 
And so I feel like I did grow up in an environment and in a family that was very accepting of the human body and that the body is a very beautiful thing and it's nothing to be ashamed of. And that's um, a great way to be to to, uh, to to be raised and hopefully how you're raising your children as well. Yeah, just to, you know, to feel comfortable and, you know, it's not like I make them, you know, take their clothes off or, you know, <laughs> at the same time, my two-year-old, if he wants to run around my backyard and not have his clothes on, that's fine with me too. It actually works out really well for potty training. <laughs> um, but just to, yeah, to, to recognize that, you know, our bodies are beautiful and, um, and I think it's no coincidence that I, you know, fell in love with yoga and fell in love with the human body. Um, and, and I think with, with the practice of yoga and my dedication to yoga too, it's, it's, it's two of the things that I, that I really love. I love the human body and I really love having a practice that keeps me connected spiritually through the vehicle of my body. Um, and well, so I, think, I think like in response to that, I mean, that's what I would tell that guy is that maybe just that this was my, this was a way to connect spiritually with meaning with my body. It had nothing to do with exactly. that. Exactly. I, yeah. I, 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 and I knew that. I mean, it's, <laughs> when I read it, I was a little, I was frankly offended that, that uh, he obviously uh, assigned a whole bunch of motives to you without probably talking to you, which obviously he didn't. Well, that's the only offensive and, part is like, you know, people are entitled to think whatever they want to think and interpret things they want, you know, to have sure. to them. But to put words into somebody's mouth without having spoken to them, that's offensive. Well, yes, because I always... Especially not to someone who was a virgin. You know? well, yes, exactly. But <laughs> people connect sex and to nudity, even if you're not having sexual intercourse, they put sexuality yeah. to all nudity, which is something that we fight. And what I loved about what you did is I could see that it was a, a statement. It was what you've said to everybody. And, you know, by not accepting the money from Playboy, uh, you really proved that, that you were not trying to sex sell your body. You were not, you were trying to make, it was a point. It was free speech. Yeah. Uh, nudity can be speech, and it was in this case. Yes. Yeah, sometimes, you know, was an image is worth a thousand words, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So let me read you another uh, quote. It was uh, much later, June 21st, 2005, Mark Gellman uh, wrote an article in Newsweek, well, a column called The Spiritual State, The Naked Graduate. And he tells you a story, but he doesn't use your name. He's, he calls you Molly Smith, and he says, Molly Smith is not the girl's real name. I know her name because obviously it was a very public event. I could use it, but it just wouldn't be right. Why bring her yet more embarrassment for a youthful indiscretion? Was it a youthful <laughs> indiscretion, and were you embarrassed? Not at all. Nope. I was never embarrassed. And, you know, like I said, especially then, it wasn't like I was, um, it wasn't like I was naked all the time. I had never gotten naked in front of a large group of people like that. Um, I was definitely nervous, um, but I never, and, and then also be, you know, another point is like, I, you know, I was like this, I still had my baby fat. I was 18. I was, I, I just cut all my hair off too. Like I always had long hair. I just cut my hair by myself. So I had this like crazy haircut it was really short and, you know, like a little plump, a little plump 18 year old. And you know, it wasn't like I have this like supermodel physique and, 
But I was never embarrassed. I was never embarrassed. To me, so you've it was never regretted all... it? No, not at all. I mean, personally, it's so, I'm, I'm so thankful that you've done all this research because I frankly have not done any and I never really followed up or, you know, looked for articles that were written. You know, my mom did some of that, like in the very beginning, like newspaper clippings, like when it was in USA Today, she clipped it and she made a little scrapbook for me and stuff like that. But um, I would say after, you know, six months after the event, I never, I never really continued to read anything. And personally, I, it was a very positive experience for me. Um, I got so many amazing phone calls and so many people reaching out and, you know, kind of getting back to that point of like, you know, there wasn't email, there wasn't just a Facebook page, there wasn't any of the social media. I got so many beautiful handwritten letters from people from all over the world thanking me for what I did, giving me job offers. I mean, it was it was wild. And um, from where I stood with it all, I saw it as a very positive experience. And it just kind of reaffirmed to me that what I had done was the right thing for me. And, you know, coming from this very small community and very small place and very small school, all of a sudden, the you know, kind of what I was hoping is like, here I am. Okay, world, here I am. And I showed myself to the world and the world opened its arms to me. And, and I, I'm really grateful for the experience. And I'm really grateful that I followed through with it. And I'm grateful to my classmates that they were supportive and said, yes, we, yeah, we think it's a great idea and we totally support you and you should do it. And you know, I'm grateful that my parents were, you know, like, that's going to be such a hard thing as a parent, you know, to know that your kid is probably going to do that. And I'm the oldest. It's their first kid graduating high school. Um, but no, it was a very, it was a very positive experience for me overall. And uh, as I mentioned a little bit ago, that I was getting ready to travel. I was getting ready to go to Mexico and Guatemala for several months by myself. And having this um, outpouring from from around the globe and all these really amazing and interesting and intelligent and supportive people reach out to me, it kind of gave me this um, this level of confidence and feeling comfortable about going out into the world and going into other countries and feeling safe and feeling welcomed and feeling okay about that. Because that was a little scary too, being, I think it was when I turned, let's see, well, I guess I was still 18 when I left, you know, being 18 and, and traveling alone, um, that was, that was a little nerve wracking. And, and I think this experience kind of made me feel even better about my choice to go do that. So. Well, I'm glad you had a positive experience. Um, you probably don't know who Gwen Jacob is. Do you? No. No. So Gwen, um, I interviewed her several years ago for this podcast because what she did is uh, when she was in university um, on a very hot day, she saw guys without their shirts on and it just bugged her that she couldn't do it. So she did. <laughs> and um, she did it twice. And the second time, the police told her to put her clothes on and she refused and she was arrested and she decided to fight it. And she lost in court and then she appealed. 
Um, and uh, Gwen and I became friends as a result of me finding her and interviewing her, and uh, I've learned a lot more since then. You know, she, because she was she was in the media repeatedly because she was fighting a court charge right. over five years almost. Um, she got a lot of media attention, not all of it positive. Um, a lot of people, women in particular, resented the fact she was trying to make it legal for women to be uh, top free the way men are. Um, and there was some pretty nasty threats. And for the rest of her life, you know, she was always the woman who fought for the right of women to be top free. She won in the right. end, and women in Ontario have the right. Uh, and that's a, it's an incredible achievement. Wow, and she's been quoted is. by the Supreme Court. But it came at a, at a price. Right. And would you, so today with social media and everything else, do you think you would do it again? Hmm, that's a great question. Um, I would like to say that I would, but I think I would probably be a lot more hesitant just, um, you know, because like I, you know, what kind of what we're talking about, I was able to kind of not hide, but not get involved in the negative coverage. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think that would have been a lot harder to do. And I think probably, you know, a lot of why it was a positive experience for me was because I was able to not get sucked into that. And I didn't have to hear all the the negative comments. And I mean, I guess it would, it probably would have just taken, it would take a lot more self-control and real, diligence to not you know not go online and not read and you know make sure you're blocking everybody off your Facebook page or something like that but um I would like to think I I don't know I think I think right now you know the world is in need of people with you know strong messages you know that are well-intentioned and especially for young kids um you know I think the other thing is I think this day and age too, with with all the technology we have, you know, you see so many young kids getting wrapped up in and you know in trouble for you know sexting each other or sending pictures of each other or you know these young girls posting you know very kind of sexually intention you know intended photos online and I think that there needs to be especially in this country. You know, the idea of the human body, it, it is just, we are so screwed up here. And I think there needs to be a lot more um, female um, leaders and examples of of really feeling comfortable in your body. And it doesn't mean just, you know, being scantily clad, but what what does it really mean to to own up to your femininity and to honor your body and to see it as something sacred, but at the same time, not be ashamed of it. Um, I think that's something that's, that's lacking here a lot. Oh, I don't know. Um, what if one of your children, uh, you know, they're still young, but let's say one of your children uh, is say, I'm going to Washington, mom, there's going to be a big rally and I'm, I'm scheduled to speak and my plan is to, I'm, I'm inspired by you, and my plan is to take my clothes off in the middle of my speech. What would you say to them? I think, I, I mean, I think ultimately, like when you're a certain age, you know, they are going to do what they're going to do. And I, I don't know, I see my job as a parent more and more is not to tell them what to do, 
but to have, you know, real conversations and invoke some real thought into their actions and just to help them become more aware of possible consequences. Like my parents, like they knew it was going to happen, but there was no discussion about, Hey Kate, if you do that, you know, I hope that you're ready for the whole world to cover your story. Um, I don't think that they thought that it would happen like that. And I think, you know, in this day and age, that's a very real possibility. So I think if one of my kids came to me with that, I, you know, I would think it was sweet on one hand and I would feel great that they were looking up to their mom and seeing a, a good example of, of um, a strong action and feeling confident. But I think we'd have to have a real conversation about, you know, some of the possible consequences and, you know, if that was a risk that they were willing to take or not. Um, and right now I have two boys and I, I feel, I feel like it would probably be a lot different if it, if it was, um, a, a guy doing it. I think it's, I don't know. I think there's a difference between being a naked woman and being a naked man in public. To be oh, honest. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, cause women are objectified, uh, when, but on the other hand, a man's body now, um, is also somehow threatening. Male nudity is threatening. Oh yeah, that's what, um, yeah. I, I would see it as very yeah. I would I would think that the you know people would think that it was very threatening. People are used to seeing naked women <laughs> a little bit more. So it's it's yeah yes it, in in a certain way anyway. Yeah. So it's been twenty years. Um, how do you think? Do you think society? Well, you American society anyway. Um, do you think that they, they do they view do you view the body differently today or is it better are we getting somewhere especially when it comes to women uh, um, I don't think it's getting better um I think I, I mean keep coming back to social media social media social media and you know everything at our fingertips I think you know, there's a lot of room for women for comparison is like, you're always getting shown these examples of somebody's idea of like perfection and what we should be doing. And, um, I really don't, I don't think it's getting better. I think there's this weird obsession with the body. Um, and I think, you know, I think people are more and more about, um, there's a new, Let's see, how can I say this right? Um, there's kind of this new health obsession, you know, whether it's, I, you know, when I started doing yoga, I actually started doing yoga at school and there was no yoga class. Like there was no yoga teachers where I live. There was certainly no yoga studios. Uh, and I've watched yoga just explode, which on one hand is great. Um, but it's, I don't, I feel like people just kind of treat their bodies. It's like a separate entity. It's like, it's the body and then it's you. And it's not, there's not this interconnectedness between the, the spirit and the body and the mind and the body. It's the body is still a very separate thing. And um, yeah, I think overall, I, I don't really think it's getting better. I think it's changing, but I don't think it's necessarily better.
So pursuant to my interviewing Kate, I asked her if she could find, I actually was hoping she'd find the original recording. She said she had an audio recording, but she couldn't find it. So the second best thing is she found, she found the actual words um, to her speech. And so she read the speech um, for me so that I could include it in the podcast. Although her voice is a bit gruff uh, because she was just uh, getting over it in illness. Six years ago, I began a journey on a road less traveled, embarking on what would become a journey of growth and knowledge, beginning to explore the depths of the world in ways I had never before imagined. I have walked a great many miles over the past six years, in which I have rounded many corners and climbed many mountains, and the journey still continues, offering me indefinite choices and new horizons yet to be discovered. As I prepare myself for the next step forward, I call on the lessons of my past to be the teachers and guides for the future. I have grown to recognize the value of each of the lessons that have presented themselves, and I have grown aware of the possibilities that these lessons have created for me as I currently stand alone ready to face the challenges of tomorrow. I am eternally grateful for the experiences that have pushed me toward the direction of light and truth. Each of the lessons have taken on a sacredness within my heart where they will remain and continue to guide and teach. Each of these lessons over the past six years have challenged me to become more aware of myself and the world around me. I have learned the value of stretching myself beyond what is in front of me. I was challenged to open my eyes to see the beauty and the diversity that exists everywhere. I was called upon to be, to open my ears to all the voices and to hear each voice with acceptance, respect, and equality. I was pushed to live in a community with an open mind and an open heart, to live through my strengths and learn from my fears. I was challenged as an individual not to be conformed by this world, but rather to be conformed by the constant renewing of my mind. Many teachers have been the roots to these realizations, and I am eternally grateful for their support, pushes, and understandings. As I stand at the end of this road, I feel a sense of security within myself that each of my teachers have assisted me in discovering. I am ready to open my wings and encounter the world with optimism, strength, and love. My love for my teachers is endless and boundless. They have provided me the chance to fly in a world that walks. The sun over a distant mountain is rising, and I eagerly take the first step to reach the height that that mountain promises. And in order to reach such heights, I realize the necessity to live as a free spirit. Without expectations, feeling the limitless directions to open myself completely, to express myself fully as a confident individual, for it is only then when I am open and free that truth and wisdom will reveal themselves. So that's a, the original speech, obviously recorded in modern day. Uh, but those are the actual words. And we will post these words uh, in the show notes on the website, and the show's website again is 
www.naturistlivingshow.com. That's the new website. Uh, my name is Stéphane Deschain, and I've been your host for this podcast. I'm also the owner of Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park, and I thank you for listening. Um, so keep sending your comments and suggestions. I really appreciate getting them. The show's email address, the old one still works, but the new one is contact at naturistlivingshow.com. You can also call and leave a comment. Take as many tries as you'd like. Uh, you can even delete it if you're not happy at the end. Uh, I don't promise I'll use it, but I will listen to it. And generally, I've been using most of the comments that people have recorded. So the phone number is uh, country code 1-905-473-6060 or toll-free in U.S. and Canada, 1-888-373-9124 or via Skype. You can just Skype Bear Oaks. That's free, of course, if you have Skype. And then that'll put you in the Bear Oaks phone system. And the extension for the show is extension 333. I hope you enjoy this show and that you'll join us again for the next episode of The Naturist Living Show. This episode of The Naturist Living Show was brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. Traditional naturist values in a modern setting. Traditional values means that naturism is more than just taking your clothes off. It is a life philosophy with physical, psychological, environmental, social, and moral benefits. Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park strives to promote those naturist values in a modern setting that provides the amenities and services that our members and visitors expect. Free your body, free your mind. Learn more at www.bearoaks.ca. Thank you.